This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. One of the components we have heard mentioned during the coronavirus pandemic is the new level of support by big business for black and brown owned businesses. Part of that goal is to make sure that payroll protection program loans are available to all businesses that qualify. Another part is having the support of big business that it's promised and not just having it be words. Tarek Brook is president of Combs Enterprises, which is the conglomerate owned by music mogul and entrepreneur Sean Diddy Combs. His organization is working to make sure that those type of loans, the PPP loans, are available. It's also working with J.P. Morgan Chase to support minority entrepreneurs. Tarek, great to have you with us today. Hope you are well. Hi, good morning. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So let me start with the program that you are putting together right now called Our Fair Share. Tell us more about it. Yep, happy to do so. So last year when um, the coronavirus you know, was kind of beginning to kind of ravage our, our country, we recognized pretty early that in minority communities, the coronavirus was going to have two very traumatic uh, negative impacts. The first would be health outcomes, and the second will be economic in that any recession uh, that was uh, driven from the, the coronavirus would hit our communities worse because businesses in the black community and other minority communities tend to be uh, undercapitalized um, normally, right? Like the, the access to capital for these communities is, is much more limited. And so they start from a disadvantaged position when they are forced to kind of weather storms. And so we knew with, with the impact of this pandemic, it was going to hit us harder. So we built our fair share to do really three things. One, to create awareness around the PPP program. Two, to uh, help educate uh, potential applicants on what will be required to have a successful application. And three, to connect applicants with lenders who were willing to lend to our community, because unfortunately, um, many of the folks in our community have, haven't had the best experience with large banks. And so we sure. partnered initially um, with organizations like Square, uh, Cabbage, uh, and a couple of smaller CDFIs and, and minority banks to be able to give PPP loans. And so we started that during the, the, the process last spring and summer. Uh, we were able to do over $11 million of loans. Um, to, to very small businesses. And with uh, the announcement of PPP coming back, we have now partnered with J.P. Morgan to have an even greater impact during this cycle of PPP. So something you brought up I think is an important component, at least for the timing we're talking about in terms of dealing with the impact, that there are quite a few more options available to try and be able to get the funding uh, that some of these businesses need here in 2020 and 2021 in comparison, say, going back 20, 30 years. And, and obviously the digital technology kind of has opened the door to some of those venues. Yeah, I, I think that's right. But, but what we found, and I think what's interesting is um, even during prior um, kind of emergency events, so if you think about the Great Recession back in 2008, 2009, um, minority businesses only received about 2.5% of loan guarantees, um, and that's despite the SBA's best efforts. And so what that said to us was in order to bridge the gap between uh, government organizations and major financial institutions, there have to be intermediaries uh, that help connect you know, those businesses with the capital that's available to them. And, and like you mentioned, technology is only 
you know, enabling that, right? Like, it, like our ability to commute, to communicate, excuse me, with larger groups of people faster and more efficiently has increased. But there still are, you know, kind of longstanding issues, right? Like that there are longstanding trust issues. There are longstanding um, kind of histories of unfair treatment that we have to work through to be able to connect this community to these capital sources. So how much then is this also not only a partnership to help small businesses out, but it is a partnership to allow you to have conversations with these different banking institutions and and once again make them recognize the problems that have been there for such a long period of time and hopefully impress upon them the importance of needing to have change. That 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 is exactly right. You know, we we take a very typical economic uh, lens when we look at this problem. We look at the lack of access to capital in minority com- communities as an inefficient marketplace. Right? You have um, millions of entrepreneurs, and, and in fact, uh, in our country right now, black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs out of any other demographic group, um, but receive the least amount of capital from capital sources. And so we look at that as an inefficient market, which is to say, if we're able to help convince others to see it the same way, we can not only solve that inefficiency and in doing so, empower these communities, right? When you look at, you know, the state of, you know, black entrepreneurship, for example, 96% of black businesses have zero to one employee. Um, But if you are able to grow that employee base by just a couple of people, you can make really significant impacts in these communities because in the communities where these businesses reside, they are um, the key service providers, the key, um, you know, opportunities to create wealth. At the Brookings Institute said that if you were able to get just a small portion, I think it was 10 or 15% of these businesses to hire just one additional person, you start to look at, you know, the magnitude of, you know, 50 to $60 billion in economic impact. And so there really is a great economic incentive to help get these businesses more capital, uh, which would then trickle, you know, beyond just the community they reside into the economy at large. Is it a similar conversation when you're talking about entrepreneurs, the people that are, you know, in the process of trying to develop those businesses? They haven't even gotten to the point of establishing that firm uh, at that point. Absolutely. And right now, these communities are kind of overlooked and underserved, both uh, from the, the, the lenders who would typically lend entrepreneurs uh, capital for, for kind of small businesses. And when you look at things like, you know, growth capital, growth equity, these are all spaces where minority entrepreneurs have been consistently underserved. And so it's very important for us to play our part to kind of shine a light on this opportunity because that, that there are millions of entrepreneurs with great ideas that just need the same ability to compete, the same access to capital as other communities receive. Um, and there are a lot of you know great businesses and great employers and great innovation that will come out of that community. So are, are you, how optimistic are you? I know you, I'm sure you are at, at whatever the level is, but how optimistic are you right now that maybe we, we're kind of hitting a seed change here? And, you know, one of the things uh, that we've talked about a lot in the pandemic is this idea of a pivot, of businesses having to pivot to be able to stay alive. I, I'm wondering if maybe there's a pivot going on in terms of this mindset around uh, making capital and making opportunity available for minority-owned businesses so that you can have a, a higher level of success? So, I mean, it's interesting. I, I think 
one has to be optimistic to stay in the fight, right? Like, like we, we have to believe we're going to turn the corner and, and we're going to win. And I think um, it, it is, you know, um, great to see some of the kind of new uh, focus that we've seen since the events of last summer with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so on and all of the kind of, you know, real conversation around social justice in America. That said, um, the magnitude of the problem, you know, can't be understated, right? So if you look, for example, at the African-American community, in 1863, before slavery was abolished, African-Americans controlled about a half a percent of the wealth of the United States. Yeah. So this was pre the abolition of slavery. In 2019-2020, African-Americans controlled one and a half percent of the nation's wealth. So when you look over that period of time, despite all of the changes that you've seen, there really hasn't been a material change from the ability of this community to create wealth for itself. And in fact, if you look at the wealth gap now, all of the statistics show the wealth gap is only growing and has been accelerated by the coronavirus. So while I'll say to you that I'm optimistic and that's what keeps me in the fight because I believe it is right and it is just and it is the way things have to go, um, you know, it, it, it really can't be understated how big of a problem that, that, that we're trying to kind of attack. Well, and, and then when everybody. you look, I'm sorry, and then when you look at the various types of businesses that could be potentially, you know, positively impacted by this, and then you factor in the potential impact in the local community, how important these businesses actually are to a lot of these neighborhoods in, in various cities around the country? 100%, right? These are the core service providers in their communities, right? And so when you think about things, you know, people use the term deserts, so, you know, food deserts, services deserts, right? These deserts will only grow if we're not able to foster and support the entrepreneurs who are creating the businesses in these communities. Like these communities want to be able to save themselves, right? They, right. And they need to have that opportunity. And it just makes good business sense that there is an available market for goods and services that aren't being served because the, the, the providers of those services can't get the capital they need to grow their businesses. And so that, that's the real mission of our fair share. You know, ultimately, you know, our country will move beyond the stimulus package, will move beyond PPP. And our longer-term vision is for our fair share to be a platform which connects um, capital providers to those seeking capital in the most efficient way possible. And like you mentioned, we're going to use technology every step of the way to make sure we can, you know, amplify and expand our reach as efficiently as possible. Tarek, thanks very much for your time. Uh, greatly appreciated, and good luck with everything with our fair share. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day. Thank you. Tarek Brooks, president of Combs Enterprises. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.